This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com. All righty then. Welcome to the Sneaky Plays Podcast. I'm Brian Catino here with Joe Duffy. What's up, Joe? How's it going, Tino? Uh, a lot of big news this past week. Ready to roll. Yeah, absolutely. I know you're thrilled as a uh, as a Philly fan, huh? Yeah, I couldn't be happier. Um, not just with the move on Thursday, but the offseason as a whole. That move standing alone is what it is. But when you uh, factor in the entire offseason, things are, things are looking bright. Yeah, for sure. So uh, before we start um, diving into the NL East, my question for you is, would you rather attend a game 163 or a divisional round game in, as far as the playoffs go? Um, I go 163. Yeah, I think I'd go 163. Um, that is if it was my team I had to choose for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if if I'm a – yeah, I'd go 163, that environment. You remember that KC-Oakland game that was just out of this world crazy? Uh, I think that's the environment I'd go with. Yeah, ever since I saw the, the Rays game, I guess it was – 2011 um i mean that was awesome uh, it's such a great environment those games even the, the ones this past season uh with the cubs and the rockies correct right that game that game was awesome that was good to watch it's like you know do or die baseball right there yeah and that one went that one hung around till like what 14 innings or something i think it was it went, definitely went into extras i think it was 14 i think you're right about that it's it's got that March Madness kind of effect, that one-and-done kind of game that you don't beat that atmosphere. Exactly. That's something that doesn't happen in baseball. It happens in other sports, but baseball, never. So it's good. This I like those games. I'm, I'm actually hoping there's two more this year in both, both leagues. Hey, give me, give me four more. I'll take as many as we could get. <laughs> Ties up and down, baby. More of baseball. Course. Of course. More baseball. All right. So let's, let's dive into the NL East. Um, we'll start. We'll just start with at the bottom of the totem pole there uh, with the Miami Marlins. So yeah, let's uh, let's get these guys out of here. Yeah, as we were discussing uh, before we uh, hopped on and recorded, um, I mean, the Miami Marlins are just they're not good. Uh, they have. I mean, they have a couple prospects, I guess, in the top 100. They have Sixto Sanchez, uh, who's number 27. And then uh, Victor Victor Mesa, which he has the best name in baseball, arguably. Um, and he's the 99th prospect. So they have the 27th prospect and the 99th. So nothing to write home about with their prospects. Uh, I guess you could say some of them are already on the team as far as uh, their lineup and and rotation goes. But, uh, yeah, they're basically a triple-A team in general. So Maybe. Maybe, yeah. That's that's actually a a relative term. Um, Some of their additions, I guess, would include – Curtis Granderson, Sergio Romo, and Neil Walker. Some veteran presence, I suppose. What do you think about those guys uh, getting added in here? Really uh, moving the needle down there in Miami. Um, yeah, I mean, that outfield this year is going to be Granderson, Brian Anderson, and Lewis Brentson. And two years ago, it was Christian Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton, and Marcelo Zuna. So I'm just still trying to figure out what they're trying to do down there. Obviously, it was all based on the money they had spent on those guys and were going to spend. But 
they tried to start a rebuild, and like you said, there's only two guys in the top 100. There's nothing to write home about the lineup this year. So I I have no idea what they're doing in Miami. That team's just in limbo right now. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just – I'm not sure what Derek Jeter's doing. I, I really don't know. Like, I don't know if he has some sort of sneaky plan that he's coming up with in order to, like, you know, strengthen their franchise. But right now he's done nothing but hurt their entire franchise. You hear all the players that left, they're just like, I thank God we're out of there, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I you got to feel terrible for Starlin Castro, who went from being on a Yankees team that was playoff bound to having to go to that mess um, and, you know, be the only all-star talent really on that team right now. Um, the bullpen's atrocious, the starting rotation. I mean, there's just – I don't know what to say about this team other than it's going to be a long season. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's, let's look at that rotation in that lineup. Um, I mean, Miguel Rojas, he's, he's talented, I suppose. He'll probably hit first place short. Brian Anderson at third, Starlin Castro, Peter O'Brien, who's actually, I see someone I've highlighted. I think I'm actually, he's going to be my player to watch for them. And then, you know, it's like guys like Neil Walker and Lewis Brinson and, I mean, Jorge Alfaro, I guess he's got potential, but – and then Curtis Granderson, like, who's, you know, a grandfather in this league. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's just no pitcher that's going to go into Miami and be like, dang, we got we to gotta pitch against the Miami lineup this, it's, you know, for these next three, four days. It's just not even, you know, <laughs> it's not good at all. You can uh, – if you're a daily fantasy player and you're setting your DraftKings lineup, just – automatic slot whoever's pitching against the Marlins in your uh, starting lineup because I mean look like you touched on Jorge Alfaro the guy's incredible behind the plate but he struggled with the bat and to have to move into a lineup like this where he's going to get no help in front of him no help behind him it's just not going to help his development Um, I know you said Rojas at short Um, JT Riddle's going to play some short too but either way you go I don't think those guys are going to get any help these are the young players that are going to have to step into this lineup are going to have to do it on their own merits, on their own merit. They're not going to succeed because of what's around them. They're going to succeed on just their own talent alone, which I mean, it's going to be, it's hard to ask those kids to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just no help around them. Um, like you're saying, no one's really protecting each other in this lineup. So even, even that kid, you know, like I said before, Peter O'Brien, I, he has he has Neil Walker most likely behind him. No one cares. No pitcher is going to care, and they're going to throw whatever they want to Peter O'Brien, and he's he's going to struggle this year. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, Neil Walker was Neil Walker in the lineup when he was in Pittsburgh. When you know he was more, as you you would say, more in his prime. The guy was hitting at the end of the order. Now he's going to bat fourth, and you know, in the NL East where you're seeing top-notch pitching every night you go out. Come on, man. What I, I just – I don't understand what Derek Jeter's doing. And, I mean, obviously it's all not him, but a lot of that Stanton trade was around his doing, obviously, being connected to that front office in New York. And the return they got just how, – how are you going to tell me that Starlin Castro, some cash back? Like what they got in return for Giancarlo Stanton was not nearly enough. Oh, no, not at all. I, I just – I don't really understand it. I don't like how some of these teams say they're not tanking or whatever, for lack of a better word, when, when they when they throw out a lineup like this, you know? 
Yeah, 100%. It's the same. Th- this is the Knicks of baseball. It's a joke. It's, it's definitely an absolute joke. Um, so, like we said, in the lineup, nothing right home about rotation. I mean, Urania is probably, you know, the highlight of their rotation, I suppose. And then they got that kid, uh, Alcantara, who's only 22 years old, I believe. And he's he's coming up. But he might he might slot at the top of the rotation there, either, you know, two or three. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, Chen, who's, you know, 33 years old, he's pretty much shot. Dan Grayley, he's pretty much shot. And then, I mean, Trevor Richards, I guess he has, you know, a lot left in the tank because he's young. But, I mean, sheesh, it's it's uh, it's ugly. Yeah, and the bullpen behind them doesn't help. Um, you know, Chen and Straley have been doing it for a while, but their best years are behind them. Uh, Urena is the guy in the rotation that he's the bright spot. But is he an ace? Uh, I don't think so. And then, yeah, when you look at that bullpen – you know, Sergio Romo's better days are behind him. They tried Adam Conley's hand in the starting rotation. Now he's going to go to the bullpen, see how that works. Um, Drew, Drew Steckenneider, I mean, he's going to be their closer. I just, I don't even know. This team's going to win maybe 60 games. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll touch on that right now. Um, their odds to uh, win the World Series are 1,000 to 1. Yeah, I mean, it's not even worth it. <laughs> I I tell you 99 times out of 100 that, hey, you know, throw $2 on it. Why not? This is just save your $2. It ain't even worth it. Exactly. Go buy a pack of bubble gum. Um, yeah, get a lottery ticket. <laughs> and then the over-under for their wins is 63 and a half. Uh, you have the under on that? Uh, yeah, I, I would say the under. I think that's going to be the worst team in baseball. Uh, it's either going to be them, the Tigers, or the Orioles, but I think the Marlins end up edging them all out as that worst team. Um, I don't think, as the season goes on, I think you're going to see lineups where they got guys like uh, Monty Harrison and Victor Mesa come up where they're just playing young guys and not really even caring to win games, trying to develop what they have. So, yeah, I'll take the under on that. Yeah, I mean um... – the Marlins have said that their ETA on Sixto Sanchez and uh, and Victor Victor Mesa are twenty twenty, but I'm sure we'll start seeing them like you're saying middle of the season probably, um, just trying to figure out some some different ways to manage that lineup. And uh, I mean, those those veteran guys are old now, you know. They'll probably end up hurt, you know, three three months into the season. So we'll see the, uh, the young guys sooner than we think. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to – there ain't a chance that Curtis Granderson's out there playing 100 and even 100 games. So you're going to need an outfielder up there. Yeah, um, absolutely. I guess Harrison will probably be the one uh, ahead of Mesa. Uh, Mesa. But, yeah, they, they need some depth on that bench. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I said, I, I, I've been trying to put the bench players together for these teams in this division, and I really couldn't come up with any – that have any sort of relevance for the Marlins. Um, it was tough. But yeah, um, and every other team you look at, you got you could take their whole bench and probably start them in Miami. Oh, I know. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> They're uh so the the player to watch for me, like I said earlier, is, is Peter O'Brien. I want to see what he can do, but it doesn't help his case that he really doesn't have anybody around him other than Starlin Castro and Brian Anderson. So it's it's gonna be tough for him, but um, his power, his power potential is there. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm going to stay in the outfield with you as well for my player to watch. Uh, mine's Brian Anderson. 
coming off a real solid year. And look, he's the one, he's the guy in the lineup that's probably going to hit behind Starlin Castro. And if you're looking for upside in the lineup, that's the spot. So I just think Brian Anderson's going to have the most opportunity for success out of everyone in this lineup. Yeah, he's he's actually my my fantasy player to watch solely because he's 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 basically their best player. I mean, it's you know they really don't have anyone else. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, so that's that's enough of the Marlins. Um, I'm glad we got them out of the way first. Um, like we're saying, you know, under sixty three and a half wins is probably probably going to be the case. And uh, let's move on to the Atlanta Braves, who had a breakout season last year. Um, what do you think about the their pipeline right now? Um, I, th- I mean, the pipeline is pretty pitching heavy. Uh, Sirocco, Tuki Toussaint, um, they got guys that are going to come up. But the guys that were in the pipeline or that, you know, are the ones to write home about are guys we're going to see in the lineup this year. Those Acuna, Albies, and Swanson are – established now Camargo as well so I uh the Braves are here man and they're here to stay and they're here for a while yeah I mean they have the number three pipeline in baseball with those guys already up so you can imagine how good they have it already like you said it's pitching heavy they got a couple outfielders in there but um I mean they got some solid pitching prospects uh they have eight guys in the top 100 which is uh which is awesome to see yeah especially for a team that's already you know, establish themselves as a playoff contender. Um, it's not often you see it in baseball where teams build up the pipeline as they're, you know, coming to their peak. You see teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, get rid of those top prospects to prepare for the postseason. The Braves had no interest in that last year, and I don't think they have any interest in it moving forward. They're going to build from within, and they're looking good, man. Yeah, so um, some of their signings they managed to do, like you said, without really moving any any pieces. Uh, they re-signed Marcakis, which I think is good for the club. Uh, they signed Donaldson, and uh, they they got back Brian McCann. So I think good signings for them right there. Yeah, um, fantastic signings, especially if if Donaldson gets back to MVP form. You could argue the Braves have the most well-rounded lineup in the entire game. Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, they got power, they got speed, they got gap to gap hitters. I mean, this lineup is, it's dangerous to pitch you. And uh, just, just by looking at it, you know, not even looking at any numbers, just looking at some names, it's, uh, it's going to be tough to pitch to. Yeah. And for some reference, I, some numbers for you, they were 10th in runs last year, fifth in average, 11th in the league and on base percentage, fourth in hits. So this lineup was already top 10 by basically every metric in baseball and then you add Josh Donaldson you add Brian McCann you bring back Mark Akers Acuna is going to be healthy this year you hope so I mean top 10 you could probably argue they're going to be top five in just about everything yeah I would would have to agree they're easily top 10 for me Um, I mean I mean the NL East like we're saying is, is tough this year but I mean their lineup is solid um, Inciarte, Donaldson, Freeman, Acuna, Marquez, Flowers, Albie, Swanson, and then they got guys like Culberson and Duvall off the bench, as well as Camargo. I mean, that's that's twelve players that um, I mean that are they're good, you know, they're all solid up and down. Yeah, they're great, and I think it's they, we shouldn't sell short the fact that they got two really solid veteran catchers. 
to go along with a pretty young rotation. Um, bringing McCann in is perfect for that team, not just from the standpoint of he's a bat in the lineup, but from what he provides all these young pitchers. So defensively, they're good. The outfield's going to put up runs. And now you have catchers that are really going to help those young pitchers out. So the Braves did everything right this summer or this winter. Sorry. Yeah, they, they've been they've been doing things right for, I guess, I would say the last three seasons. Huh? I mean, draft, you know, pipeline, everything. Um, yeah, and it's, it's funny looking back at it because um, when they were getting that new stadium, everyone thought they were just dishing out pieces because they were trying to, uh, you know, attract people for when that stadium opened and no one thought they could do it that quickly. And then they get that stadium open, and here they are. Now we're talking about a legitimate World Series contender. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, adding to that lineup is their rotation, which is which is absolutely solid. There's um, there's really no holes, um, any you know anywhere. Um, I think it's good one through five. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Newcomb, Fulty, Gosman, Tehran, and then I think Toussaint is going to find his way up in this rotation this year. What do you think about uh, their one through five? Yeah, I agree with you. I think Tucson's going to end up being the five. It's either going to be him or Soraka. Soraka was up a bit last year. I still think he needs more time, though, after watching him. Um, so I think Tucson's going to be the guy. Um, Fulty, Newcomb are just so- as solid as solid gets. Um, Gosman's my one guy I have questions about in this rotation. Um, watched him in Baltimore. He's really a two-pitch pitcher with that fastball slider, and then he mixes in the changeup. Um, he – teams caught on to him in the AL. After seeing him for a few years, they caught on to him. Now that he's had some time in the National League, I want to see how he's able to go throughout a full season. But aside from, you know, maybe Gosman having a setback, you're looking at a great rotation right here. Yeah, definitely definitely a rotation where I could see their – their season ERA being under four. I, I don't really see that rotation having a problem with that. Um, and then you move on to their bullpen, and uh, it's solid as well. It's good. Um, you got Vizcaiano closing games most likely. They got veterans like A.J. Minter and uh, Venters, and then, you know, they got young kids like Sabatka and, and Freed, um, three lefties that are definitely solid uh, at the back end. So I think they're looking good. Yeah, there. it's not a lot of names you know, but that's the great thing about the Braves is they're finding value in guys that other teams don't see value in. Uh, Vizcaino, Biddle, Carl, Minter, these are all really, really, really solid top-notch bullpen guys. So I'm thinking, look, you can get – you're going to get 6-7 out of Fulte Newcomb pretty much every time they go out. Tehran's going to give you innings. Gorsman's going to give you innings. This isn't a bullpen that's going to have to run extremely deep night in night out all you need is to get solid performances from about six seven of these guys and they're all consistent you you're never going to see these guys go out on a day-to-day basis one day throw three strikeouts lights out the next day give up three home runs you're getting nothing but consistency so this bullpen to pair with that rotation it's top-notch pitching in uh in the national league yeah absolutely i think a lot of people want to see the bullpens that, you know, have guys that are lights out, you know, one, two, three, like you're saying. But a lot of those guys are inconsistent. If you look at the Yankees bullpen over the past couple of years, I mean, Batantis has, you know, wasn't able to find it for three months last year. And I'd rather see you guys be consistent, like you're saying, and just, you know, put put up solid numbers and not, not get your team in trouble when you're relied on. 
Um, so that's that's what I, what I think of bullpen pitchers right there. Just be the glue to the team. Um, don't screw anything up. I mean, like you're saying, their starters are going to be just fine. Just go out there, get your three outs, walk off. I mean, that's that's all you got to do. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I think we'll see a lot of that in this division. Um, the more we get into it, you're going to look at teams and you're going to see really solid bullpens, but maybe not that name value you'd normally think. But look, to touch on that rotation, seventh in ERA last year, top 10 in Ks. Um, they were uh, second in opponent batting average, uh, 13th in opponent on base percentage. That's a top, top-notch rotation. So that bullpen is going to be just fine behind them. Yeah, absolutely. So um, sort of moving on. Uh, so my player to watch is, is Toussaint. Um, hopefully out of that, that fifth slot in the rotation. Uh, I want to see what he can do this season. Yeah, and mine is Ozzy Albies. I still don't think this guy gets enough respect. Um, I definitely think he's already a top 10 second baseman in baseball, and I think by the end of the year we'll be talking about him top five. Yeah, I, I like I like watching Albies play. He, like you're saying, he's definitely underrated. He doesn't get the, the looks he deserves and the talk he deserves, so I'm excited to see him play as well. And then for me, fantasy for them, I mean, they have actually a lot of fantasy power, um, but it's definitely Freddie Freeman, right? Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say no, because you're right. It is Freddie Freeman. But for me, I'll give you a little different piece. I'm going to go Ronald Acuna. Um, I think Ronald Acuna in two years is going to be talked about with the Mike Trouts and Bryce Harpers. He's that good. We didn't get the full sample size of a full season last year. We're going to get it this year. But man, when that even when he was leading off last year, when he went on that streak where he was just popping the ball out to start every game, he's electric, man. And to hit behind Freddie Freeman probably for most of the season, he's just he's gonna see a lot of good pitches. He's gonna thirty home run, thirty stolen bases, he's gonna have a huge year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have him down here as well. Um I also have uh Flowers as a catcher because I mean the catcher in fancy baseball is, is a little weak. Um it, you know, if you've been playing for a couple years you notice that catchers kind of don't do any damage, but I think Flowers is a guy that uh, can do, you know, be solid as your fantasy catcher for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's going to be on the field quite a lot, being that McCann's his backup and probably won't play too, too, too many games. So I agree. Flowers is a solid fantasy play. All right. And their, their world series uh, odds are 20 to one. What do you think about that? I think that's great odds, great value. Um, I also don't necessarily know if uh, this team's done as far as the offseason goes. I still think that Keuchel is a possibility, and I still think that Gio Gonzalez is a possibility for that rotation. Um, yeah, I think 20-1 to is a great bet, and I think they probably get close to 90 wins. So, yeah, I, I'm. it's hard to not like this Braves roster. Yeah, so yeah, their over under is eighty six and a half. So you're you're gonna hammer that over, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm on the over there. Yeah, I think I am as well. Um, I I think they're gonna make a lot of noise in the NL East. I think NL East in general is gonna make a lot of noise the whole entire year. Yeah, I think we're probably at the end gonna be looking at a division that puts maybe three teams in the playoffs, but definitely two. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the New York Mutts. I'm just kidding. New York Mets. Um, what do you think about the Mets this year? They've actually uh, they had a couple of good additions in the offseason, huh? Yeah, but I think that the Mets already have a starting outfielder on the DL for eating undercooked chicken. So I think that's 
how uh, we're going to be looking at the Mets all year. Um, look, Cano, Lowry, Ramos, they're all great signings, but um, their issue was obviously that lineup last year. Uh, they were tied for last in baseball in batting average. They don't put the ball in play. Now, obviously, those three guys they added are going to help that lineup, but I just don't know if those three guys are going to move the needle enough for them to really make a playoff push. Yeah, it's, it's really tough in this division. Um, you know, they they added good guys. You know, I mean, Cano's a future Hall of Famer. Uh, Ramos is a solid, solid catcher. Um, Jed Lowry, he can, he can mash a little bit. But, I mean, uh, like you're saying, I don't know if that needle is going to move enough, especially with the pitching that's in this division. Yeah, and look, here's – when they added Cano – it was kind of like, all right, the Mets are all in this offseason. You know, Cano's got a $25 million AAV every year. So you were thinking when they made that move to bring him and Diaz in, the Mets are going all in here. And they kind of just didn't really do much after they made that move. It was weird. Um, the rotation stayed the same behind DeGrom and Syndergaard, which it's good, but it's not great. Um, the bullpen at the back end is strong but it lacks depth. And then that lineup, while they have a lot of depth in the outfield with guys like, uh, I think Carlos Gomez got brought in, Keon Broxton, Rajay Davis, Cespedes is on the DL. But these are all guys that are older, that have been on the DL, and that don't hit for high average. So I I just, I'm confused by the moves they made. Yeah, exactly. Um, You think, you know, with the, the lack of, you know, prospects that they have, um, I mean, you would think they would go out and get better players that are already at MLB level, and they kind of didn't. Like you're saying, they kind of they're kind of at a standstill right now. Uh, they really haven't made great moves. Like you said, they made good moves, but I don't think they did anything great in this offseason. Yeah, especially when when you look at the other teams in the division and you're matching up those lineups to see. You know, all right. If you like, if you're a GM and you write down that Mets lineup and you put it next to the Phillies, Braves, and Nationals, do you do you really look at it and say, yeah, that's the one that's going to get it done? Because I don't. No, um, not at all. You know, Conforto's got potential, but he's yet to really come into his own. He's been extremely inconsistent. Todd Frazier's going to stay in that lineup, and he's done nothing but decline over the years. Um, it looks like Lagaris is going to start the year in the outfield, and that dude can't hit. Uh, Ahmed Rosario's has potential, but he's not the best hitter at the shorts of that position. So I just, there's still a lot of holes in this lineup. Yeah, exactly. Um, going back, looking at their pipeline, um, the one that stands out to me is Pete, Pete Alonzo. Um, everyone else really, I, I've heard about, but haven't really seen anything, um, progressing with any of them other than Pete Alonzo. Yeah. And so here's the other thing. Pete Alonzo's your top prospect. He's a first baseman. Um, when's he coming up? Because Cano or Frazier is going to play first base, right? Yeah, well, well, Frazier's hurt right now, and it's actually looking like Alonzo might end up getting that starting role in the, to start the season. All right, so if he gets uh, – look, I, the kid's got a lot of potential, and it'd be great to see him get that position and keep it because, look, let's be honest, I really don't think Todd Frazier's an everyday starter in the MLB anymore. I think he'd be a great pinch hitter to have off the bench – but I don't think he's an everyday starter. So I think if Alonzo could kind of cement himself in that lineup, that'd be great for the Mets. But I don't know. We're going to have to see. Um, and if he doesn't, 
then and then they go back to that lineup where they have Cano playing or Cano or Frazier playing first and then Lowry maybe playing third or Cano playing second. Um it's just it's gonna find it's gonna be hard for them to find runs because there's just no power in the middle of that lineup. And it's power Alonzo can provide you, but Frazier's the one that's shown he has the power. So unless Alonzo comes in right away and produces, that's gonna be Frazier's spot in the lineup. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we're gonna see maybe a slightly better season from their lineup than last year, but I don't think it's going to be above and beyond uh, what they just accomplished this past season. Uh, I think Ramos can add a little bit from that catcher position as far as power numbers go. But, I mean, we've yet to see Conforto stay consistent. Uh, I mean, Cano just came off that, you know, suspension from last year. I mean, I'm sure he'll be fine, but we don't know what we're going to get from him. Um, Lowry has not faced NL pitching, NL East pitching in his career. So we'll see about that. And then, right. and then Nimmo just ate raw chicken last week. So who, who knows? Yeah, I can't trust that guy. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, there's one guy that kind of stands out to me is Jeff McNeil. Um, I want to see him play a little bit. But, again, we have not seen much, you know, in general. And then Ahmed Rosario, I mean, God, he was swinging at pitches four feet out of the zone last year. So well, I don't know what we're going to get from him either. Yeah, his his play discipline is his biggest issue. And then to touch on Jeff McNeil, here's the thing: the Mets just brought in two second basemen in the offseason. That's Jeff McNeil's position, second base. So now you're looking at you probably got to move him to an outfield position if you want him to play. Well, you already got Nimmo, Conforto, Ligaris out there. Cespedes is on the DL, probably coming back. And then you got Rajay Davis and Carlos Gomez. So I just don't know where Jeff and Keon Broxton. So I just don't know where Jeff McNeil's going to play. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he'll, he might find his way into left field for a little bit. But, again, I, I really don't know what they're going to do. That means they'll have to move Nimmo to center and just not play Juan Lagares. But like you're saying, Juan Lagares can't swing his way out of a paper bag. No, he can't. He's an ag- excellent center fielder, but he, the guy can't hit for – I mean, it's been the story of his career. He just can't hit. Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, excellent center fielder. Um, he's got – He's got great range out there, but his uh, his plate um, ability is not there. Um, let's move on to, I guess, the better part of their team, which is their rotation. We obviously know DeGroms and Nagard. Um, and then after them, it's uh, Wheeler, Mass, and Vargas right now, maybe Oswalt. So um, after Syndergaard, it's 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 good. But like you're saying, with this, this team, good, not great. Yeah, I mean, obviously – Right now, you can't. Degrom's the best pitcher in baseball, um, and you'd think every fifth day he goes out, you should get a win. But his record tells you otherwise from last year, and that that's going to be the major issue. Um, look, Degrom's great, Syndergaard's great. The Mets are going to have to produce behind them to give them wins, and to you know to give themselves a chance in this division, you have to win the games they start. And then when you get past them. Like you said, we're looking at good, but not great. Uh, and we're definitely looking at inconsistent when we're looking at Wheeler and Mats. Um, obviously, Wheeler had the Tommy John, uh, was better in the second half of last year, really kind of put it together. But again, you have to see consistency from him. Um, I think that we might see a six-man rotation for a portion of the year with Seth Lugo, um, just to not put as much wear and tear on a guy like Syndergaard, who has had some issues, but yeah, I think after those first two guys, we're just looking at, you know, an okay rotation. Yeah. I mean, if you were to knock off the Grama Syndergaard, you would, you would say 
that the like we talked about a couple weeks ago that the Minnesota Twins rotation is better than them. Yeah, I'd 100% agree with that. If you take those two, look, you take those two guys out and you're matching those back three up with any back three rotation, it doesn't look much better or much worse than any of them. They're just a run of the pack rotation after those two. Exactly. So, uh, moving on to their pen, I mean, they made they signed a couple guys. Um, they they got back uh, Familia, um, which I don't know what they're really thinking with that. Um, I mean, he's good, but you, you know what you got from him already. So, uh, and then they got Edwin Diaz, who's going to be their closer, which I think is a really solid move for them. Um, but after that, I mean, you know, Seth Lugo is going to be up and down from the rotation to the bullpen, like you're saying. Um, Gaselman, he's he's been he's been okay. He's been productive for them. But uh, it's it's not great. Again, their their bullpen. It's good, not great. That's kind of the message with the Mets this uh, this season. Yeah, I, I love the back end of the bullpen with Diaz and Justin Wilson. Um, even Familia, even though you do get your spurts of inconsistency with Familia, well, you know you're always going to get great stuff. Um, and then I like I like Hector Santiago and Luis Avilon, but you know that's five guys we're talking about. After that, there's nothing to write home about. So you're looking at your starters are going to have to take games deep almost every time out if you want to stay in it. Yeah, exactly. And, you, I mean, you can't be having Syndergaard and DeGrom giving you eight every inning and have them be healthy for entire seasons. It's just, it's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I agree. And DeGrom, DeGrom gave them 217 innings last year. Um, which is kind of around the mark you want him to stay at. He doesn't need to go more than that, and they shouldn't push him more than that. And it's going to come down to their bullpen uh, helping him out and that lineup helping him out too and getting him, giving them a chance to get him out of games early. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, yeah, like you said, with Justin, I actually like that Justin Wilson move. He's actually an underrated uh, move that they made for their bullpen. Yeah, 100% agree. I think that was uh, probably the most under-the-radar move they made. Um that's going to benefit them, you know, highly this year. Uh, Cano, Lowry, and Ramos are going to be the ones that talk, are talked about, but Wilson might end up being the most important one. Exactly. So uh, moving on to their uh, their players to watch. Um, for me, it's it's a Rosario. I want to see if he can uh, be more disciplined at the plate this season and be that prospect that we were waiting for. You know. Yeah. Uh, Rosario is a good one. Mine's going to be Nimmo and it's just on the parent. Like I want to see if he can consistently lead off and really get the game started for the guys like Lowry and Cano and behind him, um, for them to succeed, he's going to have to get them going early. So Nimmo's my guy to look after. Yeah. I, I like watching Nimmo play. I'm hoping he can steal a little bit more bases and be better on the bases, uh, this season. But, and like you're saying, be a, be a solid uh, leadoff guy for them. I think that would help them, and uh, they would benefit greatly from him getting on base, stealing bases, wreaking havoc on the base path. So we'll see about him. Fantasy uh, aspects this year, it's definitely DeGrom. I mean, like you're saying, probably either number one or two pitcher in baseball. So he's definitely that that go-to guy for fantasy. He's a first-round pick in fantasy for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then if I had to give you – I'll go a little different since you went to Grom. I'll give you someone in the lineup. Um, I'll give you Jed Lowry just from a consistency standpoint. Um, Lowry's going to either be in the lineup every day playing second base or third base. Uh, he's going to hit close to 300. He's going to give you your 80-plus RBIs. Uh, he might not cross that 20-home run threshold, being that he's in city field now. 
but he's still going to be productive, especially sandwiched between Nimmo and Cano. So Lowry's a uh, fantasy guy to watch a little bit deeper in drafts. Yeah, I like him too. Um, he's one of those guys that has the you know multiple positions, so that definitely helps your fantasy team in general. Um, when you're you know second baseman can be also spotted as a third baseman slash utility guy, that definitely helps uh, your lineup right. on a on a day where maybe not a lot of teams are playing, but the Mets are. Right, hundred percent. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to your ball club, huh? What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so uh, some Philadelphia Phillies talk. Uh, what do you think about their prospects coming up? I know they got guys like Bohm and uh, Medina and Hazley, Garcia, Howard. Uh, what do you think about them? Um, I I like the pipeline. Um, obviously, Sixto was the guy that you were most excited about. Um, can't complain because we turned him into a all-star catcher, maybe the best in the game. But, um, yeah, Adonis Medina and Alec Boehm are the two people to really look after at the top of that uh, prospect list. Uh, Alec Boehm is eventually going to be the starting third baseman for this team, Pro- I would say probably 2020, 2021. Um, they don't. They don't know if he can play third base yet. Um, if he can, his bat is, you know, they're going to find a way for him on the field because of his bat. Um, whether it's going to be at first base, third base, a corner outfield position is yet to be determined. But I, uh, I think that kid's going to be playing third base shortly for the Phillies. Yeah, I've watched him. I watched him play. He, he can definitely mash. So uh, a team like the Phillies will find a way to keep him and then eventually find a way to put him in the lineup. He seems like a similar guy to Hoskins, where it's like you just got to find somewhere for this kid to, to play, and uh, he'll he'll hit for you. Yeah, uh, 100%. And the way him and Hoskins approach uh, the game or approach hitting is really similar, too. If, uh, you know, I've gotten the chance to watch Boma a little bit, especially after knowing that we drafted him and going back. Um, he, he takes a good approach at the plate. He's a kid that's without question going to succeed. It's just a matter of finding where to put him on the field. Exactly. So we'll move on to their additions. I mean, obviously, they absolutely had the best offseason in baseball. Um, Segura in that trade, uh, Harper, El Muto, and then Dave Robertson and McCutcheon. I mean, that's those are just amazing additions to a squad. Uh, All-stars across the board, couple former MVPs, arguably the best catcher in baseball, a shortstop that is just going to spray the ball all over the field and light it up. Uh, you added a guy that really solidifies the back end of that bullpen. And then also uh, James Pezos, a left-handed reliever in that deal with Gene Segura, kind of underlooked uh, or underrated, but he's going to come in. He's going to be a part of that bullpen and really, uh, really help against lefties. So, look, everything they did is – look, they by far had the best offseason. Everything they did is geared around winning now, and they're definitely in a position to do that. Yeah, for sure. It definitely – I mean, those three moves, well, four four guys that they got that are hitters, I mean, they're sliding them into the lineup right away. So, move, on, move into their lineup. Um, who do you think is to be at the top spot, uh, Odubo, or do you think Hernandez should be in the top spot? Uh, I think they're going to go with Cesar to start the season. Um, I, ideally, if Hernandez can really get back to form, he played hurt the second half of last season. But the beginning of the year and the year before that, he was really solid at the top of the lineup. Um, I think if he can go back to hitting around 280 and really getting on base and, you know, working pitchers, I think he'll solidify himself up there. 
Um, if he's not going, though, I don't think Oduble will be the one. I think McCutcheon is the other guy they'll look at to uh, to start the game in that leadoff hole. You think you think McCutcheon just because he's been there before in, in that in that spot and uh, he's lost a little bit of power, but he still has that gap to gap ability. Yeah, and he did it a little bit last year, and when he did do it, he was one of the most productive leadoff hitters in baseball. Um, obviously, it's not the largest sample size, but when you get a veteran like that who knows how to work counts, uh, he's just the perfect guy to get a game started, especially when you have the guys coming up behind him. He's going to see great pitches. So uh, McCutcheon at the top of that lineup, you could do much worse. Yeah, I mean, you could only imagine if, if he puts up silver numbers to his MVP season. I mean – this lineup would be ridiculous. You're looking at Hernandez, Segura, Harper, Hoskins, Realmuto, Kutch, Odubel, and then uh, Franco. So, I mean, wow, just up and down, um, incredible lineup. Yeah, and I Odubel and Michael Franco are guys that have been in the middle of this lineup the past two, three years. Um, whether Odubel was hitting one, two, three, or four, Franco hitting four, five, six. Now these are guys that are going to be hitting seven and eight, just – seeing excellent pitches, getting opportunities. And, I mean, Odubel's biggest problem in his career has been plate discipline and hitting in the leadoff spot. You can't have that. Now in the seven hole with free reign to swing, he's going to be in a perfect position to really have himself a year. And people forget the beginning, you know, by mid-May, end of May last year, Odubel Herrera had gotten on base in 45 straight games, I think, and was a legitimate MVP candidate before he really – you know, started to slow down. So that guy's got a ton of talent that people really overlook. Yeah, he's got he's, he's got a boatload of potential, and he's an exciting player to watch. I mean, the, absolutely electric. The Phillies are like up and down, just exciting players to watch. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere day in and day out at Citizens Bank. So it's going to be exciting. Um, I mean, a little couple of their bench guys. Uh, I like I like Kingery. I think he's a solid guy off the bench, and then um, Walding will probably play the corners a little bit depending on matchups or towards the end of the game. So what do you think about those two? Uh, Kingery is going to give you – Kingery might play 120-something games just because he can play the outfield, he could play second base, he could play short, he could play third. Um, he's the perfect guy to have off your bench that can not only play all those positions but give you a little production in the lineup. I love Scott Kingery. I love that he's locked up on a team-friendly deal for, I think, the next six, seven years. So he's he's going to be a great guy to have off the bench for the long haul. Um, and then I look at a guy like Nick Williams coming off that bench. Um, he might get moved, but to have him as your fourth outfielder and a left-handed bat off the bench, you, that's about as good of a pinch hitter and a fourth outfielder as you're going to find in the game of baseball. Yeah, they, I mean, like we're saying, up and down, so 12, about 12 solid guys that they have that they could rely on day in and day out, which is amazing to have. Uh, we'll move on to their rotation, which is not as good as I want to, but it's 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 up there. It's really good rotation. Um, you got Nola, Arietta, Pavetta, Eflin, and Velasquez. I mean, you know, no holes to me right there. No, the one thing you look at, and that's the the thing that stands out, is there's no left-handers, um, which I think by the trade deadline changes. I think one of those guys ends up getting moved, uh, whether it's Pavetta, Velasquez, or Eflin, and they're going to bring in a veteran lefty. But, look, if you're talking from a pure stuff standpoint, when you watch Pavetta, Velasquez, and Eflin pitch, the numbers don't match up. But those guys have stuff, man. 
and it's just their young kids really trying to figure it out. And Pavetta figured it out for a while last year. Um, Velasquez, too, for a stretch. If those two guys can, you know, give you 200-plus innings and really put together a season, there's not a hold on this team. Yeah, exactly. I actually really enjoy watching Pavetta pitch. He's Like you're saying, he has great stuff, as well as Velasquez. Um, I'm surprised they haven't gone out and gone the lefty, but, like, you know, it's still not over. This offseason is still not over. You don't know what they're going to do. Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel are still out there, so who knows what happens. Yeah, I um, I don't think they're going to go after Gio or Keuchel just because uh, I don't think they're going to want to give them the year. Like, I think ideally they, if they could give one of those guys a one-year deal, they'd do it in a heartbeat, but I don't think either of those guys wants that. Um, I think closer to the deadline, if you look at teams that are maybe like the Giants or the Diamondbacks that aren't having a good year, guys like Madison Bumgarner and Robbie Ray become available, then I think those are the guys they're going to be looking at. All right, so you're looking more towards the deadline for that for that lefty. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, I think these five guys are going to be their guys in the rotation to start the season. All right. And, th- and their bullpen, I mean, David Robertson was a great addition. Do you think he's going to be the closer or more, more so of a setup guy? I think he's going to start the season as the closer, and they're going to see where Sir Anthony Dominguez is at. Um, he There were spurts last year when he was great as the last guy in the bullpen, but he was a, he's a young kid, still trying to figure it out, but he's got 99, life on the fastball. Um, I think uh, if he's having a solid season, they may flip-flop that, make him the uh, back-end guy and Robertson the setup man. Yeah, I, I like I like Sir Anthony Dominguez. I think he's he's got a an insane amount of potential to be a great closer in this league. Um, but I mean, he's going to be with David Robertson, and that's a great guy to learn from. I mean, David Robertson's played and pitched in playoff games. He's pitched in really big games for the Yankees over his career. Uh, he's it's going to be a good learning curve for him. And then uh, some of their the other guys they got they still got Nishik, uh, Hunter, Nicasio. Um, they got that kid, Ike Law, from the nearest. What do you think about the, you know, those middle guys? Um, I think kind of touching on what you said with Robertson to be able for Dominguez to work off. It's the same thing with Hunter and Nishek. There's a lot of guys in this bullpen that uh, are still young. Hector Neris was slated as the closer to start last year. Guy has incredible stuff. Just couldn't really put it together. Then had a resurgence in the second half of the year. Um, you know, like you said, Robertson's going to be a perfect guy to, kind of piggyback off for him to piggyback off of and learn from. Um, but yeah, when you look up and down the bullpen, it's just stuff, man. And even the rotation, the bullpen, it's all the same thing. Everyone has stuff and it's all different. You're getting a different look from every picture you see. Um, the bullpen was inconsistent last year. It's, it's going to be much more consistent this year. Yeah, for sure. So moving on to uh, players to watch for me, it's, it's both Odubo Herrera and then uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. What about for you? Mine's going to be Michael Franco hitting in that eight hole. Um, he's 30 home run potential, man. And to have all that pressure of hitting in the middle of the order taken off of him, uh, we we saw it when he first came up, just the pop he has when he doesn't have to really take pitches and work around a pitcher. When he's just able to have free reign and swing, he can really light it up. So uh, I look for Franco to get back to that 25 to 30 home run mark and really have a solid year. All right. And uh, for fantasy, who you got? It's Aaron Nola, man. This is the year. Cy Young. It's happening. Um, I was all over it last year. Um, finished 
what, second or third in the voting, but really only because Jacob DeGrom probably had the most outrageous pitching season we've seen in, you know, however many years. Uh, I, I truly believe Noel is the best pitcher in the National League and maybe even baseball, getting to watch him on a weekly basis. Um, just not being biased or anything. It's just the way the guy pitches. He throws a 92-mile-an-hour fastball. He doesn't blow you away. He just knows how to work you. And those are the pitchers that have longevity in this game and just continue to get better. So, uh, yeah, Aaron Nola is the guy for me. Yeah, I love Aaron Nola. Um, I mean, he was amazing to watch at LSU. And then coming up, I mean, he was, being, he was good almost immediately, you know, which is awesome to see against big league hitters. I mean, their their fantasy options are basically limitless. I mean, you got Real Muto, Hoskins, Bryce, obviously. I mean, even you could, you'll have Herrera on your team. You'll have Franco on your team. Kutch. I mean, their whole lineup literally could be on on eight separate eight separate fantasy teams this year. It's uh, it's all it's it's amazing. Yeah, I really don't think that a single guy in that starting lineup is not going to find a home on fantasy teams this year. Um, even bench guys, Scott Kingery might find a home for how often he's going to play too. So there's just so much depth on this team. Just a lot from a fantasy perspective to get excited about. Absolutely. So. We'll move on to their World Series odds right now. It's ten to one. It bumped up when they got Bryce uh, last Thursday. So it went from fourteen to one, I believe, to ten to one. Yeah, I think ten to one's good to jump on now, just because I think uh, once they go get that one other big arm, those odds are going to be even shorter. Um, look, I think this team ultimately ends up winning this division, getting themselves home field advantage in the first round, and then it's a young team. There's not a lot of playoff um, experience on this team, especially in the rotation, aside from Arietta. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're about to win a World Series, but I do think they make the playoffs and they have a chance to make a run. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they, they definitely make the playoffs. Um, and their over-under is 89 and a half. I'm not sure which way to go on that. That's a really tough bet right there. So I'm looking at this as they won 82 games last year, and they won 82 games after – uh, when I when I tell you a disastrous September, I mean the the worst September you could have ever asked for if you were a Phillies fan. And they still managed to win 82 games. So when I look at that and look at what they added, I can't not see them winning seven more ga- or seven or eight more games this year. So uh, just off that alone, I'll take the over. Yeah, like I said, like for me, it's either they either win 89 or 90 games. You know, it's it's going to be right there. I think that's actually a really good spot that they have. This that was this was from uh, William Hill. So um, yeah, and then um, another prop to look at: Reese Hoskins home runs take the over. What do they have it that set as? It don't even matter the number. Take the over. The guy's, hit, the guy's hitting 40 this year in Citizens Bank Park, sandwiched between Harper and Real Muto. Guy's going to hit 30 plus, maybe even get to 40. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> Hoskins over forty. Uh, what do you think about Bryce Harper? More than th- more than thirty-five. Yeah, look, I think I don't think we're getting Yankees home run production from the entire team, but I think with that three-four, I think you're probably going to see both those guys hit around forty home runs. Um, look, Harper, he's had those stretches where one year he'll hit three hundred, the next year he'll hit two fifty. Um, so you don't you don't know what you're going to get from you know him getting on base every game in and out but what you do know you're going to get is you're going to get the power and you're going to get the production in terms of RBIs and runs scored he gets on base cuz he gets walked a lot um yeah i Bryce Harper is going to produce he's going to be a top 15 fantasy player again 
course. Um, all right, let's let's move on to the last team in the, in the division, um, a team that's kind of right up there with with the Phillies and the Braves um, competing for this NL East this season. The Washington Nationals, uh, solid pipeline. They got three studs in the top 100 in Victor Robles, Carter Keyboom, and uh, Luis Garcia. Um, Robles is obviously already going to be up there. Um, Keyboom will probably find his way towards the end of the season, possibly. So, uh, what do you think about those uh, those guys that they got coming up or up already right now? Uh, I think that Robles is obviously the guy to look at, and Robles is going to have to come in and produce immediately. There's going to be a lot of pressure on that kid because he's essentially coming in to fill that Bryce Harper void. Um, you know, obviously Soto's already up there, and you could say he's the one that's filling the void for Harper, but he was there last year too with Harper in that lineup. So you're going to need production elsewhere in that outfield. So Robles is going to have to be, um, even though he's going to be at the end of that lineup, he's going to still have to put up 15, 20 home runs and give them some RBIs in production. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they made some, some low-key really good additions in getting Brian Dozier, Patrick Corbin, uh, Matt Adams, Annabelle Sanchez, Kirk Suzuki, Trevor Rosendahl, Jan Gomes. I mean, those are really good signings uh, in, in the offseason. Yeah, I love what they did behind the plate with Gomes and Suzuki. Um, Kurt Suzuki had an incredible year last year that just no one talked about. Um, God, did he make an all-star game? I'm blanking on that. I'm not but positive if- that he did, but I did have him and Flowers both in fantasy from the Braves last year. That was my one uh, my one bright spot in my fantasy team, so <laughs> I'll take yeah, it. If- if if he um if he didn't make an all star game there there was a good argument there for him too um guy was extremely productive obviously he didn't play every day but when he did he was great uh and then you know what you're getting in Yom Gomes uh both solid backstops and when you got a rotation with Scherzer Corbin Strasburg those are perfect guys to have um Dozier's gonna slot right into the middle of that lineup he's probably gonna bat fourth or fifth so he was an excellent excellent pickup for them to. Like I was saying before, you got to fill that void of production with Bryce. And Dozier's a guy that's going to hit home runs and uh, drive the gap. So he's a great guy to uh, to get in there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So diving into that lineup um, to fill it out, I mean, it's solid. You got Turner, Eaton, Rendon, Soto, and then, you know, either Zim or Dozier around there, uh, Robles, and then the catchers is either going to be Gomes or Suzuki. So, I mean, that's that's a lineup that you really can't pitch around right there. No, um, no, I agree for the most part. Um, we're going to have to see how Ryan Zimmerman bounces back this year. Obviously, they have Matt Adams who could play first base too, so they have options there. But uh, Zimmerman did not have a good year by any stretch last year. Um, if he doesn't hit well in the middle of that lineup, five, six, whatever it is, it's going to hurt the rest of the back end of that lineup. So whether it's him or Adams playing more games, that's going to be the uh, the most important spot in that lineup for them. Yeah, I think the combination of the two might might get them maybe 28 home runs or so. Um, I mean, I guess which is productive, but it's not, it's not exactly what you want from what's supposed to be a power hitting, you know, first baseman tandem. Right, completely agree, and that that number is probably spot on between the two of them. Yeah, so and um, right around 30 or just shy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, I mean, their bench, they got a solid bench. I mean, like we're saying, Matt Adams, he's going to hes gonna play, you know, quite a few games. Um, Wilmer Defoe, Michael A. Taylor, and then whenever they get Howie Kendrick back, that's actually going to be a really good addition to the squad when he comes back um, from his injury. 
Yeah, Michael Taylor is going to play a lot this year. Um, I think he'll fill in for Robles whenever he has to, depending on pitching matchups. And then, look, Adam Eden's got to stay healthy. If he doesn't, Taylor's going to be the guy out there. So Taylor's still going to get a run, uh, a lot of run in that outfield. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's I've actually watched him quite a bit this offseason um, in spring training. His swing is a lot better, um, and he's still got that dynamic speed. So um, whoever's out there in center or right is, uh, is going to be solid. Um, we, but Eaton, man, if, if he can stay healthy and put up, you know, what he's capable of, I mean, he's going to be a really big part of this squad this year. Yeah, I, I love Adam Eaton. I think he's – I don't love him like I love Whit Merrifield, but I think he's a Whit Merrifield type bat in that lineup. Um, just really spray the ball all over the place, knows how to get on base. When he does get on base, he brings you speed. Um, Eaton's, Eaton's the guy that's really – him, Zimmerman, those veteran guys at the top in the middle of that lineup, those are the guys that are really going to be the glue. If they're going to succeed, they have to uh, be the ones driving it. Yeah, and I'm hoping Rendon this year gets the recognition he deserves. Um, he was in an MVP race last year. No one really talked about him. So I'm hoping he gets that recognition and I hope he puts up another solid year, which is definitely in his ability. Yeah, he's quietly been one of the best third basemen in the game for a couple years now. Um, it'll be interesting now that Harper's out of the lineup to see how he is pitched. Um, you know, Soto's probably going to be the one behind him in the lineup. You don't know how pitchers are going to attack him yet, being a young kid still. So it'll be interesting to see how Rendon's pitched, but I still still think he's going to put up a top five third base season, be a all-star player, and if not MVP candidate again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so moving on to possibly, I guess, the bigger bright spot on their team would be their rotation and bullpen. Um, I mean, Max Scherzer, not much to talk about. We already know how amazing he is. Um, Steven Strasburg, got to stay healthy. Great addition in Patrick Corbin um, from the left side there. And then Annabelle Sanchez at the four, most likely. And then a five is most likely going to be a toss-up between uh, Helixson and, uh, and Ross. What do you think, who do you think is going to be slid into that fifth row? for them i think joe ross probably gets it um you know i i got to watch helixson in philly a couple years ago and he was good but you could see the miles on that arm uh he was wearing down by the minute um so i think ross will end up being the guy that ultimately not only starts the season but ultimately keeps that job for the long haul um yeah and then look those that front four of this rotation uh we were talking about the indians last week being one of the best this is another one that um, when you just look at those names, you're looking at one of the best rotations in baseball. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're going into a series with them, and you're most likely seeing at least two of these guys. That's that's tough to uh, to walk into right there. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially if Strasburg's healthy, that's that's the big thing for them. Um, Helixson gives them great insurance at the back of the rotation if Strasburg does get hurt, but. You would love to see the guy healthy and really put together a full season because he's got Cy Young stuff. He's shown it before. When he's healthy, he shows it almost every time he steps on the mound. So he's got to be the guy that stays healthy and really pushes them this year. Yeah, I hope he had. He, I hope he could put together a full season. He's uh, he's an exciting pitcher to watch when he's on and when he's healthy. Um, moving on to the back end, um, I actually had listened to an interview with David Martinez today. He said that Doolittle is going to be the the closer that he goes to, but Rosendahl is also going to get some uh, some run there when uh, Doolittle is off for the night. So some solid closers right so, there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
Doolittle's going to be their bread and butter at the back of the bullpen. I know that you just said you interviewed them, talked about Rosenthal. Uh, Rosenthal is really just that veteran guy that can do the job if they need him to, but Doolittle's going to be the one. And look, they I'm sure they watched Kyle Barraclaw close games for Miami last year, and they don't want to go there. So, yeah, Rosenthal's uh, – Rosenthal is definitely the right choice if they need to go there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I mean, I think Barraclaw has good stuff, but I just don't think he's uh, he's closer ready or ever will be probably. When there was a game last year, the Phillies were down to them. I think they were down two runs in the ninth. There was two outs, nobody on. And then all of a sudden he walked the bases loaded and Michael Franco hit a walk-off grand slam. So, you know, when we're – while Kyle Barraclaw has awesome stuff, he's also a bit of a head case on the mound. So that's not the guy you want closing games. Somewhere in the middle there is better for him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then they got some other guys like Grace, um, who's a lefty, Sammy Solis, who's a lefty, who who can put in some quality things for them. Um, their bullpen is, is slightly getting better, but it's still probably the weakness on their team as of right now. Yeah, and to kind of put that into perspective, um, when you look at their team totals from last year in the pitching department, combining the starting pitching with the bullpen, um, their team ERA was 15th, their runs allowed were 12th, uh, opponent slugging percentage 16th, uh, hits allowed 11th. So we're looking at a rotation that we're talking about as you could argue maybe the best in baseball, but then when you combine it with that bullpen – you're looking at numbers that kind of bring them to the middle of the pack. Um, look, when you get a rotation like that, you expect all those numbers to be top 10. Um, I'm looking at 15th, 11th, 12th, 16th, 17th, you know, a lot of middle of the pack numbers. So that bullpen, if they're, if they're going to move up from what they won last year, 82 games, if they're going to move up from there. That bullpen is going to be what has to, what has to do it for them. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with, with what you all, everything you just said, um, their bullpen really needs to be the glue to the squad and, and help them uh, stay afloat in, in a tough NL East this year. Um, for me, um, some of the players to watch, I think it's, uh, for me, I think it's obvious in, in Robles. Uh, we got to see what he can do. He was a 300 uh, career hitter in the minors. Um, he's still only 21 years old. Um, Bryce Harper is gone, so it's got to be someone else's time to shine in the, in that spark. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, my my player to watch is Adam Eaton, just because we saw, you know, we hardly saw him last year, but we know what he's done in Chicago previously. We know the type of player he can be if he can get to being back to the Adam Eaton we saw in Chicago. Uh, he's going to provide a ton to the front of this lineup. Absolutely. Um, they also have a ton of fantasy uh, options as well, kind of like the Phillies do and the Braves do. I mean, Turner, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Annabelle Sanchez, uh, Soto, Rendon, Eaton, like Dozier. These are all guys you can have on your fantasy team and be content with. Right. But I, for me, I guess their best uh, option would either be uh, Trey Turner or Max Scherzer. Yeah, I, I was going to say Trey Turner. Um, the ability to swipe bases once he gets on, um, to hit for 20 home run power, drive the gaps, get extra base hits. Uh, Trey Turner, uh, from a fantasy perspective, nothing but love there. And then, yeah, like you said, Scherzer's, Scherzer's the guy. He strikes out a ton of people, which, from a fantasy perspective, a starting pitcher, you love to see that. 
Uh, Corbin would be the other guy I look at too. Um, last year was his breakout year. Uh, before that, we hadn't really seen consistency from him. We saw a surgery. Uh, he's been injured. But when we saw his best stuff, we saw Cy Young caliber stuff. And if he does that again this year, uh, you're looking at a steal in fantasy baseball. Absolutely. So uh, World Series odds right now are 14 to 1. Um, what do you think about that? I wouldn't touch it, um, at, at least as of right now, and it's because of that bullpen. Um, do a little strong at the back end, but everything in the middle, um, you know, there's a lot of question marks for me, and because of that, I just don't think that um, even at 14 to 1, the value is there for me to uh, go after it. All right, and they're over under 80, 88 and a half. Yeah, I think they're going to be right around there. Um, for the purpose of making a pick, I'll take the under. Um, it's not one I'm going to touch. Um, I think they win somewhere between 85 and 90 games, uh, right on that wild card division bubble. Um, I, but I think at the top, you're looking at Braves, Phillies, and then the Nats and Mets kind of in a similar spot. Okay, yeah. For me, it's I have actually Nats and Phillies at the top. I think they're going to be interchangeable. I think it's going to come down to – um, that last week of the season to see who gets that number one spot in the NL East. And then I got the Braves, who are going to be right there. They're going to be pushing. Like you're saying, I think three teams have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs in the NL East. And then the Mets are going to be somewhere down at around 80 wins or so. And then the Marlins, I mean, they're just going to be completely irrelevant, probably at around 61 or 62 wins. Yeah, and they're just – the thing about them is they're just going to get beat up in this division every time. They, they might not win a series in this division the whole season – if we're being, you know, straight up honest about it and looking at it from a uh, on-paper perspective. But, look, I think that when we were talking about the National Sillies and Braves, you can kind of interchange any of the three of them. But the glaring thing is I still think that they all three of them are ahead of the Mets. And after what the Mets did to start the offseason, to sit here and think that we'd be talking about them as probably the fourth most talented team in the division, it's – it's kind of a rough offseason to me if you are uh, looking back on it now. Yeah, exactly. They they didn't do anything to put themselves um, on top of the on top of the curve at all. So um, the Mets might have another disappointing season, and uh, we're sorry, New York. It's, uh, it's not going to be happy for you. Um, yeah, it already it already started poorly. You got guys eating raw chicken. I'm pretty sure they had basketball referees umping an inner scrimmage game at one point. I mean, it's just the Mets, man. What else are we supposed to say? Yeah, exactly. So, all right, that, that concludes all of our NLEs talk. Um, you've heard everything that you need to hear. Uh, I want to remind you to go on uh, jokermag.com, see what we've got. Um, we put out an article last week about a, a fellow McDaniel College alumni who has been diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. If you could please um, look at his article um, with, and uh, um, donate to his page, that would be amazing. Uh, be great help uh, all around. Um, Want to remind you to follow us on on Twitter at JokerMagHQ and at PlaySneaky. Um, Joe is over at um, at Taking the Price on Twitter. He also writes for Fansided as well. Um, and then I'm at B underscore Contino twenty three. Um, take a look at all of our stuff. Uh, you won't regret. This podcast was brought to you by JokerMag.com, home of the underdog.